Hello again. My name is Dorinda Trick, and this podcast is called Nurtured to Love. How you'll never know your true identity until you get to know your own spirit. This is a weekly broadcast that takes a look at how God made us, spirit, soul, and body. What difference it makes, and how you can discover who you truly are and your divine purpose for living when you know who you are in your spirit. We're going to explore the beauty of redemptive design God has deposited in each one of our own spirits. But first today, we look at session two, and the title of it is, What Makes Your Spirit Different From Your Soul? All your life, you've heard that your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. You've likely heard you have a spirit, but you've never really known what that meant. All your life, you may have thought that your personality and physical appearance are who you really are, the part of you that must have your body and personality to express yourself, and this part, of course, has run your life. Allow me to introduce you to your soul. Meanwhile, all your life, and even before you were born, there's been another, mostly neglected and sometimes abused part of you. This part existed with God before you became a human being. This part of you that carries the DNA of God is your spirit. You must know that your spirit is the most vital part of your being. It's your essence. Your soul is not your essence. Your soul must have your body to express itself. Your spirit does not. Now let me scramble your eggs a bit more and tell you something you've likely never heard. Both your spirit and your soul have thoughts, will, and emotions. This is counter to everything you've ever heard before, but hear me out by way of, of an illustration, okay? You go for surgery. You're put under general anesthesia. The anesthesia shuts down your body, right? As a result, it shuts down your soul. So once under, you're not able to express your feelings about the experience you had before the anesthesia kicked in. You can't tell how frustrated you are with all the paperwork you had to fill out that nobody read. You can't comment on how the nurse is having a seriously bad hair day or how you'd like somebody to bump up the thermostat in the operating room because it's cold, right? All these are the thoughts, feelings, and will of your soul, the part of you that must have your body to express yourself. In contrast, let's examine the experience of a person's spirit in surgery. We know that because the spirit is separate and not dependent on the body, the spirit is not affected by anesthesia. We know that the spirit is fully aware when the body is dead. Later, after the body is revived, many people share this experience. They describe leaving their body during the surgery and going to an upper corner of the room where they look down on the scene below. They tell of entering a long tunnel of light, at the end of which is a heavenly place, with grass greener than they've ever seen, and everything is perfect. They report feeling peace and joy like they've never felt before. They meet Jesus or a loved one, and they want to stay, but the loved one or Jesus tells them it's not their time yet. They still have work to do. 
They don't want to return to Earth, so there's a bit of an argument, but eventually they give in and return down the long tunnel where they find the surgical team frantically working on their body, which by this time is beginning to return to life. You know, this is not unique, folks. God is using men and women and boys and girls to tell us stories of the Spirit. We all recognize, don't we, that there have been a lot of movies in the last 10 or 15 years about just such an experience. And what we're seeing depicted in these films is this person's spiritual experience when their bodies were clinically dead. And, of course, when their bodies are dead, their souls are not really on the on the playing field at that point. Not, not playing, anyway. On the field, but not playing. As you can see, the spirit of the person who is going through surgery is not affected by anesthesia at all. More importantly, these testimonies reveal that the spirit has thoughts, heaven was beautiful, will, they wanted to stay, and emotion. They felt peace and joy during the experience. Take a deep breath. Your soul is probably giving you fits right now, but your spirit recognizes the truth of what I've described. Here's another example of how the spirit and soul are different. The soul is bound by time and the physical realm, but your spirit and mine is not. The spirit comes from eternity and is free of the limitations placed on the soul and body. In this class, in this podcast, I'm the teacher, you're the student. Of course, we're not seeing each other physically, but when I did used to teach in-person classes, I was around a lot of people, right? And let's say that after one of these classes, I stop and chat for a bit with one of the students. We make eye contact, which is the first step of ministry to the human spirit. And a connection is made. There's a click in the spirit. And many of you can relate to that. Now, I'm 61. Let's say you're a bit younger, like 25 or 30. There are differences between us. Physically, we look our ages and our personalities match our years, so to speak. But once we have connected spirit to spirit, our body and soul differences fade away. Years from now, we may meet again. Our physical appearances and personalities will be somewhat different, but we will recognize one another. Why? Because a connection was made in our spirits that transcends time. Your spirit is made of the light of God. God is all light. He took from his essence to make your spirit. Your spirit is a portion of the light of God. Before he released you into the earth through your mother's womb, he knew you. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5a. God deposited a portion of the light of his being into the deepest part of your being, your spirit. He very carefully and purposefully planted facets of his redeeming nature inside you so you'd have everything you needed for the life he knew was ahead of you. God is omniscient. He knows everything from beginning to end. And in keeping with his good nature, you received in your spirit what you need to live and not just live, but live in alignment with his will. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. God knew the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life before you took your first breath. He told us that it is by our knowledge of Him who called us that He gives us everything we need for the life He's called us to live. That was Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This scripture will lack meaning until we come to know and understand the deposit God's made in our spirit. That's where coming into His likeness, the in Him we are aiming for, must take root in us so that we can come into alignment with His will for our lives. An amazing truth. What I'm about to share with you now blew my mind the first time I heard it. I was stunned. I was shocked. I was very excited. I can still remember it to this day. I have to tell you that it made no sense to my soul, but I grabbed it and I ran with it in my spirit. The mistake I made after hearing it just one time was I picked up the phone and called my dad, who is a retired doctor, to share it with him. And that was a mistake. My spirit knew better than to call my dad about to call my dad about what I had learned, but my soul was still vastly bigger than my spirit and used to being in charge. And at that point, my legitimacy came from his approval, not so much anymore. I learned a lesson that day, a lesson that seems to have taken the better part of a lifetime to learn, and maybe you can relate. You don't expose a tender shoot of revelation to someone who can't hear it, okay? So as I share this amazing truth with you, I pray you'll hear it and not dismiss it because it doesn't sound familiar to you or make sense to you right away. I pray you'll let the Holy Spirit tell your spirit the truth about the amazing way that God has made you, spirit, soul, and body. You see, God is deeply committed to your spirit getting a head start on your soul. I am a retired uh, professional counselor, and there are many counselors and ministers like myself who can tell you from experience that there are people who can recall what happened while in their mother's womb, even birth trauma, and other things that happened around them when they were very, very young. From a medical standpoint, however, doctors will tell you this is impossible because the brain cannot think when we are in our mother's womb. In fact, they will tell you that until you're about two years old, your brain is getting insulated and cannot fully do its job. This insulation process starts when you're one month of age and lasts until you are about two years old. Now, I know you're sitting there politely listening to all this and wondering ever so politely, so what? Stay with me. I still haven't really gotten to the big wow news. In the previous section, now, you did learn that your spirit does not have to have your body to function. Hold that thought. Your spirit is independent of your body. Your spirit is a part of God, His light, and He made you your spirit before you were even in your mother's womb. So if God made your brain unable to think for the first 10 months of your life, nine months in your mother's womb, plus one month of age equals 10 months. If God made your brain unable to think for the first 10 months of your life, then your soul and your brain are not working during this time. 
But this doesn't affect your spirit because your spirit doesn't depend on your brain to function. God did this so that your spirit would have an incredibly unfair advantage over your soul. Your spirit would be nurtured in your mother's womb and grow to such a size that your soul could never catch up and provide any competition. That is how intensely passionate God is to get your spirit bigger than your soul so that you can live your life led by your spirit. That concludes today's episode. These are some pretty big ideas. I'd call them whopping big ideas today. So why don't you take a breath, go make yourself a cup of tea, and listen to this podcast again, and then join me again next week for Nurtured to Love. I'm Dorinda Trick. Thanks for listening.